Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode four of Wokepocalypse. Sadly, our queen cat couldn't be here today. She had some unexpected commitments come up, and so we miss her dearly. She's with us in spirit. She sends us her energy. Um, yes. That sounded like a eulogy. I'm so <laughs> she's not sorry. Dead. Oh my god! So she's not sorry, Cat. If you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so let's start with the check-in. Um, I am doing good. I'm really excited because um, spring break is coming up, uh-huh. and even though I'm gonna be like working over spring break, um, I'm so excited though. And then yeah, I'm just happy. Um. <clears throat> Uh, I was kind of sick for the last couple of days. I had like, um, I had a migraine. It was pretty bad, but I'm doing better now. Um, again, like what Karen said, spring break. Can't wait. Get to go visit my sister finally. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I just can't wait to just, you know, chill, relax. Don't have to, don't have to worry about school for a bit. And then, you know, back to the grind. Spring break. It's. Okay, so I always, like, have these plans, and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be, be big chilling all week, and then, like, very last day, it's like, psych, you have all these things to get done, and so, like, I'm excited, because I know I'm going to be big chilling most of the week, and I'm going to be stressing Saturday and Sunday, but I'd rather do that than anything else. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really excited. Like, I, I feel like I'm I'm finding, I'm working on finding balance in my life, and so I feel like that's going to be really beneficial for me in the long run. So yeah, love that for us. So um, today we're going to be talking about um, white supremacy and how um, institutionalized racism affects people of color in every which way. And I know this is, um, this may sound a little familiar since I know this is something we discussed during our first episode but we feel the need to to just bring it up again and just go into um into detail about some stuff and we just we just feel that there's so much going on on our campus and our political climate and like there's so much happening there's some so many issues regarding white supremacy and institutionalized racism happening that we felt it was important to bring it up again um so we just wanted to inform you guys about the rally that um, different groups on campus, including Woke Apocalypse, will be having on March 26th. So um, as we all know, there's a lot of issues happening on our campus, and we just want to keep everybody informed and aware of these issues. So we will definitely keep you guys posted on more information regarding the rally, and we will update you guys as we go. We hope to see you guys there. Hope you guys can join us and come to show some support for your fellow students. Mm -hmm. So getting into it, um, again, white supremacy, always the fun stuff. So um, for those of you guys that follow us on Instagram, uh, our story actually today, March 14th, actually has had something that says the longer you swim in a culture, the more invisible it becomes. So that kind of just leads us into the discussion of today of how we are so blinded by this white supremacy culture and all these issues that it brings that we sometimes don't, um, we sometimes don't realize the effects that it has on us and how, how much we fall I don't want to say victims because I don't want to victimize people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we're victims, but um, how much it affects us as a collective. It's like an unfair situation. Can you yeah, say definitely that? unfair. Um, it's it's forced onto us, so this culture, because obviously, like, you know, going back, colonization, like, mm-hmm. all, all this other stuff, like, it's it just goes way back, and... Um, we just want to just create a little bit more awareness around that. So, um, we could talk about institution, like what exactly is institutional racism? Mm -hmm. Um, and I pulled up this article from thoughtco.com. Um, 
and says the term institutional racism, aka systemic racism, describes uh, societal patterns that impose oppressive or otherwise negative conditions on identifiable groups on the basis of race or ethnicity. Uh, oppression may come from the government, schools, or the court. Institutional race racism shouldn't be confused with individual racism, which is directed against one or few individuals. It has the potential of negative, negatively affecting people on a large scale, such as if a school refused to accept any African Americans on the basis of color. And it also goes into the history of it, where it was coined at some point during the late 1960s by Stokely Carmichael, uh, who would later become known as, uh, I can't pronounce the name correctly, uh, Quam Tur? Quam? Quam Tur? I don't know how to read so Quam Tur. Carmichael felt that it was important to just distinguish. Distinguished. Distinguished. I can't read Karen's tired, guys. I'm Honestly, really exhausted. <laughs> we apologize. We're all very tired. It's been a long week. It has. It's already 9.30. I Spring break is around the corner, guys. Yeah. So, we can do so this. sorry. We're checked out. <laughs> we really are. I'm a smart college kid, I swear. <laughs> uh, personal bias, which has specific effect, effects and can be identified and corrected uh, relatively easily with institutional bias, which is generally long-term. Grounded more in inertia than in intent. That's like a lot of ends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Talk about a tongue twister. Right? Um, <laughs> uh, but, and then also to learn more about uh, Carmichael, he made this uh, distinction because like Martin Luther King Jr., he had grown tired of white moderates and uncommitted liberals who felt that the primary or sole purpose of the civil rights movement was uh, white personal transformation. Carmichael's primary concern and the primary concern of most civil rights leaders at that time was uh, transformation and more ambitious goals. I think that's something really important. I think a lot of movements um, often are very centered around white people and mm-hmm. white privilege and things like that. And it's it's for a reason, you know, like it's different to say that it's because like it's centered around whiteness, but if you think about it, like whiteness is the cause of all of this, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, so race, as we all know, as well, in, in, even if you didn't know, race is like a socially like constructed concept. And what I got here from this study is, um, this study, this periodical or article goodness all, article. we are all losing it today okay so um from what i got from this article it states that um it was created by europeans and it assigns human worth and social status using white as a model of humanity and the height of human achievement for the purpose of establishing and maintaining privilege and power so Again, we just see, like, the beginning of white supremacy through these little, like, through the creation of race and the differentiation. I said that right. Mm. Um, <laughs> through um, through separating people by color and separating people by, like, demographics like that. And so it's white, these movements, and sometimes these things are white-centered because we are othered. So we are forced to be the other. We are forced to be, we have these labels such as like people of color because we are the other of whiteness. So whiteness is always the norm. Whiteness is, whiteness is the center of it all and everything else is in accordance to that. And so that's kind of leading into like all the different things we're going to be talking about today. So like because whiteness is the norm and whiteness is the standard to which everything was created basically, we see this affecting our um, our kids in school. We see it affecting our corporate structures, and um, and all of that really just affects like the well being of like people of color and things like that. So, um, you were mentioning earlier the Felicity Huffman and oh, yes. Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Um, so there is this scam. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows by now. Yeah, it's especially everywhere. with the free Aunt Becky. I'm sorry, I can't get over the free Aunt Becky memes. Oh, Aunt Becky. Oh, Aunt Becky. <laughs> but yeah, basically, it was a scam where um, really high prestige schools were taking bribes, money, you know, from people who basically like really wealthy people. Um, and 
around those people that got caught were um, Lori Laughlin, I believe that's how you pronounce her last mm-hmm. name. She's an actress. She's known as Aunt Becky mm-hmm. in Full House and Fuller House, and Felicity Felicity Huffman, who I believe came out in Desperate Housewives. And I love that show. I, I mean, seen that totally show. Si- a side note, but I love that show, and I was devastated when I saw that she was involved. <laughs> I was like, I what? Was, yeah. I know. I was really devastated. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, especially Aunt Becky, like, come on. Like, yeah. you're, you're in a show that teaches morals. Like, yeah. come on, woman. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I was like, I was really sad because I saw. Lori Laughlin in Full House as mm-hmm. a kid and then when I got older like those awkward teen years I saw her as like one of the moms in the reboot of 90210 so oh. I was like how could you do this to me <laughs> you lied um, yeah you were my childhood but yeah and it's crazy because um so basically these schools that um were digging the money they would set up certain like test days I believe they would have a special test uh, proctor um, so the children of these people who are doing the bribes, giving the money away, um, th- their kids didn't know. Like, they were totally like, and, oh, no, I'll get to them, but, um, but they didn't know what was going on exactly. Like, they were just like, what? So we're just taking the test? Okay, cool. And then they would take the test, you know, and the, pro- the special proctor that they had would take it and, uh, change it for a test that actually had, not that actually had, but that had, like, the correct answer. Or they would like higher scores. Higher scores. Give them higher scores, you know, so they could be accepted. Um, uh, sports, sport coaches would um, be bribed to take in uh, students for athletic scholarships, you know, oh, and wow. yeah, it was it's insane. And then, um, and it's funny because I believe Lori Laughlin, her her daughter, I don't know if it was her daughter or daughters, um, they were. Uh, <laughs> recruited to join a um oh there's a specific word for it but like the rowing the rowing team you know and they don't even do that like but they you know they got in they they wanted them you know for uh usc i believe and it's just insane like i don't know i it's heartbreaking and then it just it's sad though because for the kids who that they don't know it I feel like if it was me, I'd be slapped in the face. Like, wow, my parents didn't believe I could get in by myself. Like, wow. But then the the blindness to that actually just shows, like, the depths of white privilege. Because you're like, how could you not be aware? Like, you like for you to be taking and taken into a separate room and given special tests and having a special proctor, like, if that's normal for you, then that just goes to show your privilege and goes to show mm-hmm. that... You didn't notice this stuff happening because you're just, you're used to a lot of stuff being handed to you. And like, mm-hmm. the, yeah, this is on a much larger scale, but it kind of just, it serves as an example of like, of like the different, the different hats that white privilege wears. And mm-hmm. um, I remember, I don't know if, if Lori Laughlin, her daughter is Olivia Jade. Is that her daughter? I'm not sure. I don't well, know. like, I remember somebody saying that, I don't know, you guys, I get, I, I found out about this through Twitter, so, like, this is a, <laughs> Twitter's so forgive the way. me. Oh, Twitter. I'm Who always talking her? about it. I should get sponsored. Um, Hello. No. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, so, like, I guess Olivia Jade or whatever, I'm sure they're related because they have, like, the same freaking face. So she had, like, this YouTube channel, and she was, like, getting ready or whatever, and um, I think that's where people were, like, talking about how, like, how did she not know this was going on? Because she always talked about never going to class, never this, never that, whatever. And it's like, you didn't know everybody was paying off when you weren't doing the work and you weren't going to class and you were still passing and thriving in college. Like, how does that work? (laughs) Like, I know my freshman year, like, Sorry to expose myself and sorry to my professors, but like I never went to class my freshman year. Like I did it. Like, the real tea. I, the real tea. I'm sorry. Like I know I'm exposing myself. Like I never went to class. Like I, I didn't do bad. I did. I did rather like I did really well my freshman years. But, but you know, like I still did the work. Like mm-hmm. I, I stayed up super late. I was in the library. I was doing all the stuff just to get the work done. But you know, there was some balance to it. You know, I was still taking the tests and like along with everybody else you know I didn't get yeah. any perks with it and so it's like you you can't it, like it just shocks me that people are so blind to their privilege and like again like as we mentioned in the previous episode when people even bring up that privilege it's very triggering because 
acknowledging your privilege is acknowledging um acknowledging the unfair treatment that others face because you get all these perks yeah and so it's like a lot of people like don't want to feel guilty a lot of people don't want to feel like shitty about the fact that like they've had like (laughs) silver platter right there you know and so like they don't want to they don't want to admit that because you know again they also wanted want to think that like it's all based on merit or whatever but you know like I'm sorry like sometimes it's not sometimes like the color of your skin gets you ahead because your ancestors who knows how many years ago like decided it would be this way (laughs) so like here we are here we are like having to teach you guys about it well not teach you guys I'm sure like a lot of people understand that especially like the demographics of our school but like here we are talking to you guys about it because here it is 2019 and we're still having these problems, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, this scandal really just goes to show, like, how white privilege affects our schooling system because, as we meant, as, like, I was talking about earlier, like, people of color don't get these perks. Like, even, yeah. even if, like, they're, like, even if you think about it, like, all the people involved in those scandals, like, maybe one of the students receiving the perks was... Um, was a student of color or whatever but if you think about it like there's always exceptions to a rule and we're not saying that like white people don't face hardships because we we understand that like that all of these things intersect race class and gender so like we understand that like you know white women do have it harder than white men but you know white women also have it better than black women hispanic women black men hispanic men like uh, things like that you know and so it just all of these intersections like really do affect it so like we understand that like we're not sitting here pointing the finger like all white people like we're definitely not because we understand like that race class and gender are huge factors of how people are treated and people are are perceived and so if maybe even if there was that like one student of color that was receiving these benefits and that was involved in the scandal it doesn't it doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that like that they were basically the exception to the rule you know and Mm so I hate to call it a rule because it kind of just sounds like set in stone but like that's basically how it's been you know we we force students of color to cross all these hurdles like just the fact that like we're sitting here today like we beat all a bunch of statistics you know what I mean like like I I remember like my mom would always like tell us that like um you guys aren't gonna be those kids you guys aren't gonna be those kids and I was like statistics like like I don't know if you notice when I talk I talk a lot about statistically or whatever just because of the time my mom like (laughs) used to talk and like um she was like uh she would always talk to our teachers and like uh our teachers would always look out for us a lot you know um some of them some of them were the devil but that's besides the point um yeah okay no I'm not gonna talk about that um it was like a side story of like my fourth grade teacher and how she traumatized me as a student but like whatever I had a fourth grade teacher too okay so y'all have to tell sorry that's like besides the point I don't know why like all the trauma just came back I have to go see a therapist or something um triggered definitely uh I just I got clammy like I'm nervous now um so a lot of like um for like uh, like example like my brother some of his teachers were always looking out for him always like talking about um his sixth grade teacher ended up becoming our vice principal at our high school and he was always looking out for my brother because you know we had built that relationship when my brother was in sixth grade and like he he always was rooting for him and he always like told us like um statistics of students of color that end up in like going through the system without support they end up dropping out and he he didn't want that for any of us you know and I remember like talking to him um a few a few years later like I think maybe like a year and a half ago like we ran into him and he was like are you still in school and I was like yeah I'm still in school and I was like really excited even though like you could see the bags under my eyes they were like six feet long and like (laughs) like my hair was a mess and like my life was falling apart but I was like yeah I'm still there and like I was excited because it's like just us trying to thrive you know even if we're not the most like prominent no that's not the word if we never thought even if we're not the smartest or we're not like whatever we're not excelling in our department or whatever it may be like we're still here and we're still trying to succeed and we're still getting through it you know and that says a lot about um 
people like us because we're basically thriving in a system not built for us, even if we're not thriving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, we're 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 beating the odds, and I think I think anybody who's listening to this because they're a student at Stan State and you're under the category of a person of color, like you should be very proud of yourself for yes. for being Woo-hoo. at this spot. Like you fought so hard to be here and like as much as you think you didn't like as much as you think a lot of this stuff doesn't affect you it does like and even if you think it doesn't affect you it just goes to show how blinded you are by the culture that it's created and so like major shout out and like congratulations to everybody here you know like it's not easy but it's like you face these struggles so much that it basically because you face them so much because you're beat down by it like you you're blinded by it and so yeah, that was my little spiel. I don't know for why. the Warriors. <gasps> for the oh honestly, guys, like I, I I love our mascot and I love the fact that we are <laughs> Warriors. It's something that I've said time and time again. Like being Stan State Warriors just goes to show the effort, the perseverance, the courage, the everything like that we gain as students here. Like yeah things may not be perfect all the time but you gain so much knowledge experiences you gain so many life skills that are essential you gain them at your time here at Stanislaus and like we should be proud of that we should be proud of our students and we should be proud of the fact that like we 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 looked into the abyss and the abyss looked back but we made it through you know like like regardless of anything like we're making it through and so Go Warriors, little little campus pride bit, Woo-hoo. but yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no. Nobody <laughs> gives us money for anything. But, um, yeah. Anyway, back to the topics at hand. So, I just kind of want to give you guys a little background um, about like what these different things mean. So, like, what's the difference between a prejudice and a stereotype and bigotry and discrimination and things like that? So, prejudice is a prejudgment so it's in favor or against a person or group an event an idea or a thing anything so an an action based on the prejudice is discrimination so prejudice is the belief discrimination is the action a negative prejudgment is often called a stereotype so it's mm. it's a belief about a certain group about how they are or how like a generalization of that group And so an action based on a stereotype is called bigotry. So what distinguishes the this group of terms from all the all the others um, that we're going to be talking about is that there's no power relationship necessarily implied or expressed by prejudice, discrimination, stereotype or bigotry, because um, because anybody could be victim of these things so prejudice can happen to anybody discrimination can happen to anybody but the reason we're giving you these terms is because a lot of the stuff happens to people of color so there's no there's no um power dynamic attached to the terms but um it does play into the power dynamics that we have in the different institutions we're a part of i have a question yes um so i had this conversation and i think i mentioned it in the first episode with uh a family member and who didn't see or didn't agree that you know white privilege was a thing reverse racism there's such thing as reverse racism all this stuff because um they said that oh only white people could be racist and people of color can't and i had this conversation with a, a friend who uh you know minor ethnic studies again i mentioned them in the first episode as well and they gave me a kind of a breakdown but I would like to hear it explain again why that is because my friend said um white people I believe is that they could be racist because they hold a position of power people of color can be prejudiced yeah. or discriminated but they can't be yeah, racist exactly um so that's a, that's a conver- honestly that's a conversation I have a lot with people like mm-hmm. you cannot be racist against white people um, for the very same reason you're talking about it, it's it's about power dynamics and it falls in the hands of those in power and so like you can't uh, you can't um somebody that's powerless cannot affect those cannot affect those in power in in that way like yeah prejudice prejudices can can exist discrimination can exist stereotypes exist but 
it doesn't go beyond that because racism is systematic. It's not just uh, individualistic, like pointing fingers and like saying racial slurs or whatever. Like it goes beyond that. Like you can't be racist against those for which like this empire was built. You know what I mean? Um, I know people are gonna get really mad at that because, but it's true. Like <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry, I whispered that. Might have made some of you uncomfortable. I'm sorry, I whispered. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, so it's just about power, power dynamics and you cannot be racist against white people. And I'll say it time and time again, because again, it's about, um, power relations, who's in power and how, um, these systems benefit those people. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead. Like, no, yeah, yeah. Because now I, the more questions keep coming up and I'm like, okay, so what if it was a person of color who like had a higher position in a company or something than somebody who was white it it again it's not individualistic it's Uh it's systemic because you see how how racism is embedded so like again exceptions to every rules like yeah it's it's possible for people of color to thrive in these Mm -hmm. scenarios but it's not as expected as it would be for a white individual to thrive in these in these scenarios so like yeah prejudices and stuff like that can exist but it 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 can't go beyond that because at the end of the day uh the white person even if they're a subordinate is that the right word Mm -hmm. a subordinate they still have um they still have the ace in their hand you know what i mean like it's, it's still um a lot of things still will work in their favor because they don't face the same uh, oppressive um like hurdles that people of color do okay i was gonna make like a really bad card joke because they say they have the ace in their hand it's like they have a full house i appreciate i'm gonna remember that i'm gonna I'm call my brother when i get out here be like brother guess what <laughs> you want to hear a joke it's a good joke uh but what about um is there such thing as a white person who like th- they're not racist but they're still prejudiced prejudice like it's really hard because i'm still like trying to under grapple it right um because i'm like oh like their neighbor but it's like no but then i feel like that would make them a racist if they didn't like their neighbor right but if they didn't like their neighbor but they liked it but you know they had like a uh in-law or a family member of a person of color like you know but they treat them differently but then it's like well they just don't like their neighbor you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that that's like it, it it could be a prejudice, but it it really depends, you know what I mean? Like why why is the prejudice there? Like what internalized like shit is going on that makes them have this prejudice? Like if it's because they're Asian or it's because they're black or or Hispanic, like is it if it's because any of those stuff, then yeah, like it kind of like well, not kind of. It falls into like the racist like spectrum i guess mm-hmm. you can say but um but it just really depends on how on why the prejudice is there because you know again going back to race class gender yeah. sexual identity orientation all that stuff like like you could be prejudiced against somebody because they're in a same sex marriage or you can be prejudiced against somebody because they're transgender or because you know they're poor or you're an ageist or because you are an ableist you know like it, it could be any one of those things but again all of those things do intersect so okay. it just yeah. depends on on the situation yeah 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 because now that i think about it, i was like well i guess it just but yeah and it reminds me of of a book that i read for class last semester called the mulberry project i believe mm-hmm. and it's a uh, asian american young girl <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go too far into it. The whole thing, the whole thing is though, um, it's a book that kind of shows a view of prejudice within, uh, people of color. I can't remember the book. All of it. Well, you said the, the girl was Asian, right? Yeah. So that kind of just falls back into the topic of the model minority myth. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we discussed it in class Uh, so you have like racial triangulation and so like if you picture this triangle the the outer peak is asians the one on top is white people and the one on bottom is black people so they create this dynamic right so asians are considered um superior foreigners 
white people are superior insiders and black people are inferior insiders. So it creates this dynamic and it, uh, it kind of create, that's what created the model. Like, um, is an example of the model minority myth is that, um, Asians are like forced into assimilation into white culture, uh, a lot more than other, uh, groups of people of color. So, um, what we learned is that the the pressure for them is a lot higher to assimilate and to other themselves in the category of you know quote unquote like minorities and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, so that kind of like plays into all of that stuff. Like, um, like they have a lot of um, like they they show a lot of prejudice and discrimination and all of this stuff against um other people have other people of color like uh black people like um hispanics or latinx people even other asians because of this like forced assimilation that they they have to be better than us they have to be better than them you know Mm -hmm. um so it falls back into that also and it's it's really tragic because it it just shows how the asian uh asian american community like how much they suffer because since they they have this thing where they have to assimilate they have they have to be as close to white people as possible like it just deteriorates them i said that wrong they it just affects them and it breaks them down because you know like it forces them into a spot where like they can't talk about the hardships they face or the prejudices or whatever because then that sets them aside from whiteness Mm -hmm. and so they they internalize all of their struggles and stuff like that and and they they don't have a way to cope with it and it, it's really sad like we did a project on it last semester um a few people and myself but it was it was really sad and um it just has it just leaves like this psychological scar on them because they never get to cope with the stuff that they go through that's that's crazy yeah i didn't even know about that it's insane yeah but that that kind of just gives a, a little example of like that power dynamic that's created like they're always going to see they're, they're always going to be seen as that outsider but they still have they still have it better than like black people you know like in that racial triangulation like mm-hmm. a chart like they still have it better than black people because and that's why that's why they don't talk about their their situations too because they see how much worse it could be mm-hmm. and so it's just really sad like it, it, it just puts asian americans like between a rock and a hard place you know they have nowhere yeah. to go yeah so as we've talked about like we we see all of these these struggles in um the schooling system we see how racism is systematic and we see how it affects people of color and we see that these systems and institutions weren't meant for people of color to thrive but then once you're out of these systems of like educational systems then you go into the corporate world then you go into the job world and that's a whole other can of worms of Mm -hmm. systematic racism where like you see issues like people not being hired by their because of like their name or the color of their skin like which is more like like face-to-face like if interviews Mm -hmm. or whatever and it's it's been proven like we we saw a video in my sociology class that talked about um it talked about this guy his name was jose zamora and he was applying to jobs like left and right like resumes were flying out his ass type of thing you know what i mean like he was applying anywhere and everywhere to find a job and he wasn't getting any callbacks like he was just being rejected left and right and so it wasn't until he was like i'm gonna drop a letter he went from jose zamora to joe zamora and he was submitting the same resumes, the same everything, the same exact thing, but he was just he just dropped a letter and instantly. He said like by the following week he was getting callbacks, interviews, he was getting emails back. He was like, Yeah, we're like excited to like possibly work with you. Da, 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 da. You know, it's like it's really embarrassing as like like I don't know, like I, I mean I was born here, like as an American, like as a Mexican American individual, like that's really embarrassing, like that as a country we like we're still like that you know like it's yeah. it's it's really gross to think about like i'm sorry to be like that's gross but like it's gross you know mm-hmm. like um we 
we still we still hold value to people because of their background and it's like that has nothing like yeah like it has a lot to do with it like we shouldn't ignore it we shouldn't be like colorblind racist but at the same time like we shouldn't focus on the fact that they have a different background to to place value on them you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i grew up in like poor ass neighborhoods and like look at me now like i'm sitting at the same seat that like some like privileged like white kid had like you know we're 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 the same we're we're at the same institution you know so it it just should, should, goes to show that it's like focus on the merit focus on um focus on the backgrounds that these people have built for themselves not their background of like ethnicity or whatever it may be you know like it's um like more ethnic sounding names are even less likely to get callbacks like um i gave a presentation on this a couple years ago and it uh i got a lot of like inspiration from this ted talk and she she just kept going back to the fact that like that diversity trainings are um diversity trainings perpetuate the joe ceo do you know what I mean? No. So, what do you mean? Elaborate. So, okay. So, please. <laughs> what what she was saying was that giving diversity training promotes tokenism. Mm. So it promotes having that like person, one person of color, promotes the discrimination of like, let me not hire this person because you know maybe it's a little too much, maybe a little too ethnic, maybe a little too this or whatever, and it doesn't focus on, um, it doesn't focus on the person's like work ethic and so diversity trainings like I'm not saying they're not beneficial because people do learn from them but I'm just saying like the approach uh what she was saying is that the approach should be different we should just be teaching people about the different ways that they could be prejudiced or that they could show discrimination and just teach them how to how to be inclusive not diverse because as we've discussed before, the diversity is not the same as inclusion. So um, the the example that was given in one of my classes is diversity is being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, oh, wow. it's in, it's an incorporation. That's a, that's a great Jeez. example. That's yeah, really like it, example. it breaks it down to, to show that, like, it breaks it down to show how these different groups um, can come together but they're still not working as a team. Yeah. They're still not one. And so it's diversity trainings and and, and just um, the way they're being taught, it perpetuates the Joe CEO. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it perpetuates the idea of, of keeping people of color at a certain level. Like, yeah, let them move up, but not to the point of like, this type of success. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's still very oppressive and, and, and it just... Um, I remember when I was giving this presentation, somebody asked me, like, well, like, if we have these internal biases and we're not aware of them, how do we stop it? And I was like, easy. Have it be an interview process. Like, have it be an application process. Like, if if your company is out for hiring people, suggest it. You know, be like, hey, like, maybe you should have somebody black out all the names and then just so you just, just, so you just look at the, the qualifications and stuff like that. Like, or maybe just you know like have it be have it go through multiple people to to guarantee that like you're finding the best possible candidate and you're not making exceptions because of a more white sounding name or whatever it may be you know like another one of the articles that we read in one of my classes it showed it talked about this lawyer who was placed into different corporations and she was asked to to help with diversity and she was asked to like um, and she, the the pattern she kept noticing was that we that like they didn't they wanted like a quick fix they wanted a solution to their current racial tensions in their company but they weren't really educating people on how to be inclusive they weren't educating people on how to coexist in those settings and so like you see examples all the time of like of like um of like black women being told that their natural hair isn't isn't um professional or whatever you Mm -hmm. know like it you see examples of things like that and you see examples of like um like maybe traditional wear isn't encouraged or whatever but it's like those are like oppressive that's oppressive shit you know what i mean like you you need to be inclusive and you need to 
you need to find acceptance and embrace those differences instead of diversity, which which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but diversity it doesn't it doesn't include all the factors that should be included. Got so it. sometimes diversity mm-hmm. is just like bring in those brown people. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's uh, in a lot of situations that's just what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just those little differentiations and stuff like that 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 really affect people of color and like you know people of color not being able to find jobs that fit their qualifications you know like like a well-educated person of color that can't find a job because they have an ethnic sounding name or whatever you know like that really affects them on a lot of levels you know like they can't pay their student loans they're forced to settle for lower wages and like jobs that are like below their below their worth because you know they worked hard for that degree they should they deserve yeah. to be yeah, yeah, to sure. be in a position where like that matches their their degree or their work ethic or their merit you know and so it just puts people of color really behind yeah it forces them to settle for wages that maybe they shouldn't be settling for that it forces them into jobs that maybe is like not for them or whatever it may be you know but they're just like finding ways to survive when they could be thriving they should they should be given the same opportunity to thrive and and it's really tragic to see like i mean i mean i i'm blessed to be to never have faced that like i'm i'm blessed to have the job that i do like i i was i was seen for the work that i the that i was putting in and i was offered the job because of that you know like i i was people don't take into consideration like i mean my name is european actually like my name is georgina and like that has european like roots and so maybe like maybe that has helped me but like i i know like because i had okay so i worked retail one day (laughs) (laughs) one day guys one One day day, and then i was like and then a whole bunch of stuff happened and then i was like i got i gotta go and so like (laughs) and so like i was really frustrated and like i i thought i was like putting it to the test you know what i mean like i was putting applications everywhere and like i knew my experience at my current job like it kind of I'm not saying it made me better than other people. Absolutely not. Like, I don't believe that at all. But I I put me, like, in a more, like, office setting experience than it did, like, retail or, like, fast food or, like, anything like that. So, like, I was, like, putting it to the test. I was, like, I'm going to apply to both types of places. And then I'm going to see where I get the callback from. And, like, um, maybe they I didn't have the qualifications they were looking for. But I I I, I only got a callback from one place. And it was for a retail store, and it was because they knew me. Oh. <laughs> like it was because they knew me because I I shop there all I give them all my money like they have every all of it they have all of it, um, <laughs> and so like that's why I got the callback and that's why I got the job and like I mean I I was really embarrassed like I haven't been able to go back to the store because I only worked there one day and I was like super embarrassed, but like um, but yeah you know like I I feel like sometimes experience isn't enough like I I don't think I have a really ethnic scent I mean I don't know that's I guess that's not for me to decide like that's normal for me like my name is like it's your name actually I'm not gonna say my full name yeah just because yeah Yeah, anyway yeah I'm not gonna say my full name just because of like issues that like we've seen like with white supremacists and um I don't feel safe doing so and so that's that's exactly why we're doing all of this stuff and so um so yeah that <laughs> that's why so, yeah. that's why we're here so um it also going back like this stuff like the schooling stuff the the corp the the job searches and the employment issues and all of these other things that are tied in to um oh my gosh i forgot a really good example that i wanted to to, to mention um, so all of this stuff really ties into how white supremacy affects people of color and how it's embedded into our institutions. So um, I remember reading or learning about this in my Intro to Ethnic Studies class. It was about Coin Pro. Mm, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, it talked about um, the government was exercising its own form of. Um, of racism so under j uh, edgar hoover the fbi um with along with like police departments all over the country um they waged a 
a war against uh, revolutionaries of color. So people uh, being uh, advocating and um, doing activist work. So uh, African Americans, indigenous people, Chicanos, Puerto Ricanos, Asian Americans, like hundreds of people were imprisoned, exiled, or murdered. And so um, the FBI actually planted agents um, within these groups. I think I think they even planted agents in like the Black Panther Party. I'm not entirely like don't quote me on that because I'm not entirely sure. But I, if I remember correctly, that's what they were doing. And so um, they would. St- start like trouble within those groups so they would like start pinning people against each other um they just they just encouraged like this mother you know like they they just encouraged like um any form of disruption to to stop work from being done um and so because of these people they they would trap activists and and make them serve like long prison sentences, and it was also because of uh, COINTELPRO, so the counterintelligence program. And uh, it says here that a lot of activists still believe that it's happening today. And like, I mean, I would totally believe it that oh, the yeah. government is like is infiltrating these activist groups to try to um, to try to dismantle their movements. Like, I totally believe. It. I mean, it's been done before. Why wouldn't they do it again? Yeah. Especially during a time where people are are being educated in this stuff you know like there's a lot of a lot of layers to activism and the first is education you have to educate yourself on the issues so that you can properly um so that you can properly handle them and so i i absolutely believe that we still have this problem today and like um it just goes to show how how oppressive like our own government like everyone's like freedom of speech freedom of assembly like my ass you know and like the government Mm -hmm. is still like trying to keep you at bay the government is still trying to make sure that you are following the status quo and all of this Mm -hmm. other shit you know Mm -hmm. and so i sound like a conspiracy theorist when i'm like the (laughs) government but it's true like (laughs) well yeah cointel pro like example a you know and then there's example a through z everywhere else like people are still facing these these issues so um now that you brought that up, that actually reminded me of that same conversation I brought up earlier mm-hmm. about, um, you know, like, only white people will be racist. Yeah. You know? um, and then we got into the topic of uh, gentrification. Mm-hmm. So is that where reverse gentrification comes from? Like, is that how gen- reverse gentrification could be viewed? Is that an example of what reverse gentrification is? What do you mean by reverse gentrification? Like, like what are you saying about, like, FBI planning, like, you know... Um, the the like these agents yeah these agents with these groups just to start up trouble and stuff is right. that an example of what reverse gentrification is or can that be used i don't think so because for me like when i think of gentrification and the way gentrification has been explained to me it's it's going into low-income neighborhoods and um I don't mean a mansplain to you. I'm sorry. No, you're but like fine. it's like going into like it's going into like low income neighborhoods and displacing those people to build like your shopping mall or your outlets mm-hmm. or whatever to try to clean up like quote unquote clean up the area and clean up um, the city or whatever you want to call it. It's displacing people of color and it's like even if like you're you're saying you're not displacing them, but it, it's it's raising rents to the point that people can't afford it obviously because again they're they're working like um like blue collar jobs and stuff like that so it it, it's the it's displacing people of color to um to sort of quote unquote improve the city or improve the living environment or whatever you know so even if you build like apartment complexes they're gonna be way more expensive than what these groups can afford oh okay yeah. So um, the whole you were saying like the reverse gentrification, like what were you, I guess, exactly asking about? That? I think I think I was just trying to grapple more of an understanding because the way my friend explained it to me, because uh, he did tell me about the coin Cointel Pro, mm-hmm. uh, he did explain that to me, and um, just saying how like I I want to say that's how I'm trying to remember what exactly but kind of like that's how like you know certain areas in certain cities are like you know described as 
quote, like, you know, quotes around ghetto, you know, because mm-hmm. of this, you know, that reverse mm-hmm. gentrification. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Oh, that, that makes sense. That, that, that's that makes what sense. I meant. Okay, yeah, def- <laughs> that definitely makes sense. Like, you, you, you kind of just continue to, like, bash on these communities and to the point where people want to take action to improve it. So, like, mm-hmm. so, so that makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I know, like, if somebody told me, like, everything's falling apart, da, 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 I'm like, yeah, we should probably fix that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that would make sense to me. But, like, it's all about language and it's all about educating yourself on, like, well, what does this really mean for people? Like, like, I know, like, when I go vote on whatever, like, I try to make sure that I read everything and I understand every word and I, I try to do my research as to, like, what exactly is it I'm voting for? Like, who is this going to affect and how is badly is it going to affect them? So it's really hard. It's a lot of work. Like, Jesus, it's a lot of work. Like, yeah. the, the work never stops, though. Like, mm-hmm. as much as you want to be an outstanding citizen, like, this stuff can be exhausting. Like, I mean, look at us now. Like, I showed up in sweats. Like, mm-hmm. never in, like, like, as, I, I remember my freshman year I would do that, but, like, after that, like, I hated showing up to places if I wasn't in, like, pants, if I wasn't, mm-hmm. like, presentable, or, like, even a little bit, you know? Like, but look at me now. Like, I'm a, I'm a disaster. Like, <laughs> my hair is, like, everywhere. I'm oh wearing my sweats. Like, it's the reality, y'all. It's, it's the reality, you know? Like, you're, you're, you're putting in all this extra work to try to, to try to improve situations for people, but it's hard. Like, it, it takes a toll. I think yeah. that's an interesting point that you bring up because, you know, um, the same friend... He doesn't really, he honestly, you can never catch him um, in sweats or like, you know, very, very casual clothing outside of home. Mm-hmm. Because I think for him, he got used to the mentality like, no, like you never know who you bump into. Yeah. You know, and um, and very rare does he, like when we hang out, does he wear sweats? Like, yeah. he'll he'll text me like, are you going to be in PJ? Should I just come in PJs? And I'm like, yeah, for sure come in. You know, he'll come. Um, in his in like his sweatpants or whatever, um, but very like I always feel very insecure standing next to him because I I you know yeah. as long as I have jeans on you know yeah. a nice shirt like I'm cool but mm-hmm. he not that like you know he's wearing a tux you know but, right like, <laughs> no yeah I, I get he's it. presentable but yeah, yeah he tries to make himself more presentable because again you just never know who you bump into like yeah. you could like bump into your neighbor you could bump into your, like your boss and you work yeah. at a really high end job yeah. and. You don't want to give them the idea, like, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. a club. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Yeah. Like, I, I was really uncomfortable leaving my house today, but then I also realized, I was like, I'm so tired. Like, I, I'm ready to pass out at any moment. And it, it just kind of, like, threw caution into the wind, and I was like, I don't care. Um, but it just, that you saying that just reminded me of something that um, somebody who used to work at my organization used to always say, like, every day's an interview. Every yeah. day's an interview. Like oh, you, man. That, for, that, for that very exact same reason, you don't know who you're going to run into. You don't know that the impression you're going to leave on somebody if you show up to like wherever wearing like booty shorts, booty shorts, <laughs> yeah. or like sweats. or wearing sweats with like. I know me. I have. Okay, I'm just going to expose myself. This is really embarrassing. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Okay, I have these pair of leggings that they're my favorite pair of leggings, but like I always get them caught on something. So like by the thigh, there's like a couple holes on them. Oh no! And they're my favorite pair of leggings because <laughs> they're so comfortable and like y'all don't understand. And I just get mad, embarrassed wearing them, but I'm like sometimes it has to be done, you know. Like I just I'd rather be comfortable because like I know if I I'm, I'm just gonna go through a drive-through or whatever, like. I'll wear them or, like, yeah, if I'm just going to yeah. go to my friend's house, like, from my house to their house, like, I'll wear them and we're not going to make any stops or whatever. But, like, one time, like, I I was, like, in a rush and so I had to get dressed really quick and I, I had those on and I was, like, yeah, this long cardigan will cover them and I was I was on edge all day long because I was, like, holding my, my cardigan over, like, the, my thigh and I was, like, no, nobody talk to me, nobody make me move, like, it's just things <laughs> like that. But it's, like, but it's again like you you get judged very harshly. Yeah, like yeah. you get judged very harshly on 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 these things and I know this is kind of like a, a sidetrack but like you can still incorporate it how this affects people of color. Like oh, people yeah. of color like faced are are judged very harshly in in the interview process and they're judged very harshly by their resumes and their their background, their like work backgrounds and stuff like that. And so we saw like 
just going on tangents. Did you have something? Yeah. Um, you mentioned how, you know, every day is basically an interview hall with someone you used to work with. That reminded me of how <clears throat> I took a class a couple of years ago. And um, this, I think it was my professor. Yeah, it was my professor and her friend. They were meeting up to go see, like, uh, they're going to buy a house or something like that. And, you know, she was, uh, my professor, she was, like, a white lady. And so she came in, like, you know, her sweats and whatever. She was, like, you know, she came in casual. And her friend, she was, I believe she was African-American. She came in, like, her best, you know. And, you know, talk, thinking about how, how you're judged hardcore on, like, how you look that was kind of like a, an eye-opener of like, oh, you know, a white person can show up looking like, you know, in their casual Sunday. And someone who's a person of color has to show up looking their best because you don't know how that's going to affect them. And if they, you know, say if it was like the roles were reversed and she showed up, you know, in like sweats or something and then her friend. But, you know, if the roles were reversed and she had shown up in like her sweats or, or something like that, it would have been like, oh, she's a slob or we, we can't yeah. trust her. Or, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. And that also kind of like takes me back to like when I was in high school and <laughs> I I would wake up and be in my pajamas and I, and I, would, I would walk to school it'd be like five or six a.m. and I'm like you know what I'm exhausted let's stay in my pajamas and then I um, I didn't have a car so I like walked to school and I'm just like oh gosh I hate myself like why am I in my pajamas I look like a slob people are totally judging me right now so like in the moment you're like yeah you know it's a good idea and then like you go out and you're like oh my gosh no why did I do that to myself so it's kind of like oh man like now I have to present myself and I think through the years I've also just kind of realized that I need to stop dressing like that I need to start you know being more um not professional but I guess again like be prepared every day as an interview which is kind of crazy to think about I that reminds me of a situation that I was in like um we were told to dress nice and so I'm like okay professional like I can do that and I was already like planning in my head what I was gonna wear like I I was gonna do my, my face whatever and I don't like to do my hair like, I, 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 everybody that knows me knows that my hair is always a crazy mess. But, Same. But I love my <laughs> I hair. Like, I, I, I really love how it is. And, like, um, I, I mean, you guys can see right now, like, I have a lot of flyaways. And, like, <laughs> my my natural hair is really poofy. And, like, I remember I got I got really mad because somebody's like, are you going to do your hair? And I was like, what? What do you mean do my <laughs> hair? I was like, are what you is- calling me out? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, are like, are you gonna straighten it? Are you gonna curl it? And I was like, excuse me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come as I am. Like, like I, I, I really like. I, I remember getting really like offended by that statement. Like, my hair is no way, shape, or form. Like, I mean, at least to my my knowledge, like it's not like ethnic hair. It's just hair. It just has a lot of texture to it. Like, I mean, feel it feel it right now like it's Ooh. really thick and it's a lot and it's just she like got that Mexican hair. <laughs> yeah like I'm not gonna sit there like my hair used to be super long and I'm not gonna sit there for two hours straightening my hair and then on top of that having to do my makeup and then on top of that having to plan like a nice outfit and like I'm already tired and you want me to be more tired to do that like I remember the damage I used to put my hair through I remember my junior year of high school like I was working so hard doing like a whole bunch of stuff like I was playing golf I used to play golf. Hey. I was playing golf. <laughs> I, I was playing golf, and then I was also, um, I was also trying really hard to like to to get my sh- my shit together in school. Like I, I was doing all the the most, you know. And I would go to sleep like two two thirty, maybe three in the morning. But I would still wake up, regardless of the of what was going on. I would still wake up at four a.m. to straighten my hair. And my hair used to take a long time to straighten because one, I had a shitty ass straightener, and then two, like. <laughs> My, I had a lot of hair. Like, yeah. I, I had, a, like, my hair falls out, like, at alarming rates now, so it's not as much as it used to be, but I used to have a ton of hair, and I used to do that every single day, and I'm just like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, my hair has, like, permanent damage because of it, you know? Like, it's traumatized AF, but, like, <laughs> um, but, like, why would I do that to myself, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying, like, to me, like, I don't like to do my makeup a lot either because my, my skin just gets irritated from, all, like, the, my products and, like, and don't go telling me to use different products. I'm using the best products that I can. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, don't call me out. Like, I already know somebody's going to be like, you should try this. Like, I'm, I've done it all, okay? Like, I've done it all. Like, I remember one time, like, I changed my... Oh, my God, we're getting so off topic. I'm so sorry. Like, one time I changed my routine and I got a different product. And my face burned and peeled. So I don't want to hear it from oh, anybody. Dang. But, like, well, like I, I don't like to do my makeup a lot because uh, I... I have like really sensitive skin and my hair. I don't like to do my hair because I really like my hair, mm. and it, it really bothers me when somebody's like, "You should do your hair." Like my brother was like, "You need to do your." Sorry, calling him out. I love you, brother. <laughs> but like, 
he he tells me a lot he's like you should do your hair for this event but i was like i really like my natural hair and like like yeah sometimes i'll cave because i'm like yeah i don't want to be a granula today but like i love being a granula like i i i love the fact that like my hair gets in people's way because it's like it's the only thing that makes a statement about me i'm a very practical simple person it's the only thing about me that makes a statement and i i love my hair and so so I, I would just, you know, like if you're ever faced with that stuff, like be unapologetic about it because you have worked very hard for the hair that you have on your head and you've been growing it all your life. <laughs> so be proud of it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm um, talking about how, you know, straighten your hair, like do your hair. That's also a form of, you know, institutionalized racism. The whole going back to like corporate settings and you know, like people of color more especially I guess women of color you know they have like their natural hair and like it's either like super curly or you know like again like it's very textured and all that and you know it's like oh it's considered unprofessional how can hair be considered exactly. unprofessional like I don't uh, to me I don't understand them it's like it's like forcing people to conform to Eurocentric beauty, yeah, st- beauty yeah, standards yeah. you know like straining your hair and like Look, you it know, is tying it all back I'm mm-hmm. telling you it all again I say this every episode it ties in all together <laughs> every it's time because relevant. it does it really does and then I remember oh gosh I think this was like a year or so ago I was in a class and my professor is talking about how this little girl this little black girl her mom her mom or dad someone had done her basically her hair was in braids and then she went to school and the teacher or something was like oh you need to take your your hair yeah. out like that or something like that and basically they ended up cutting her braids <gasps> because it was considered inappropriate or it was like a distraction it was just like this oh, little girl i think it? wasn't it like that was breaking dress code yeah, she, yeah yeah there you go it was a little girl in a uniform yeah, yeah i think it was, it was like a picture day or something yeah yeah yes. something like that I oh my gosh i broke my heart so much i was like how dare they i like, cried it's I a cried. little girl so you know bad. And it comes back again to the whole, like, Eurocentric way of, like, you know, having straight, flat hair and all this. And it's just like, uh, it's a hair, you know? Again, like what Jordy said, you're growing it your whole life, and all of a sudden like, it, it's it's a distraction. Like, I didn't know my hair was going to get out of the way of your education. Like, what? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a very superstitious person. I, I, I believe in, like... I believe in everything, so let's just start there. <laughs> um, throwing that out there. I used I to have, I used to have like really straight hair, like yeah, like straight. The, like straight, straight hair, and it was the healthiest thing. I was like five. The last <laughs> picture I took like that, but like I was five. like, um, my hair used to be so straight, and like, and I used to have this this uh, my kindergarten teacher, she used to call me Cleopatra. Because of how, like, my hair looked. You know, all those images that you see of her? Like, it's mm-hmm. always, like, bone straight mm-hmm. hair. I don't know that's a great... Bone straight? Is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. I used it. I'm sticking with it. You know I'm what? proud of it. it. Okay. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to have really straight hair, and everybody used to call me Cleopatra. Well, like, she would call me Cleopatra. And, like, I don't know when my hair changed. I don't know when. It was, like, poof. <laughs> but I don't know when they decided to do yeah. that. But, like, um, my mom always told me that it was, like, mal de ojo. Like, that, like, um, you know, it's basically saying that, like, somebody was so jealous of me that they looked at me, like, mm-hmm. um, with, like, almost, envy. like, malice and envy that my hair was affected because of it. Yeah, I've heard um, of that before. Yeah, and so, like, yeah. um, I'm I'm really superstitious. I, I believe in all that stuff. I, 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 I think, I don't know, I think believing that stuff is, like, almost kind of, like, a beautiful thing because all of it is rooted through some like cultural tie or another and like um culture yeah look at us (laughs) like right but i i am going back to our point like i i just i do encourage you guys if you're ever faced with like is the word adversity is that the word we're gonna say it's the word if you guys are ever faced with adversity just you know like just fight through it you know like embrace those embrace those differences because like we said earlier like diversity is cool and all but it's not always enough to 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 challenge these systems of oppression that we're all facing and so I definitely encourage you guys to to be the best you that you can be and and to really like start appreciating yourself for for who you are at your core Mm -hmm. And really take care of yourselves because all of this stuff is really detrimental to your health. All of this stuff is really de- detrimental to your like, to your heart and to your mental health and all this other like, all this other shit that we can go on and on about for days. But just always remember to take care of you, as you, mm-hmm. and not as the business you or not as the friend you or not as the sister or whatever you may be like, you. Take care of you as you and not anybody else.
Okay, so um, I think we should wrap it up and say our closing thoughts. So I'll go first. And since we're talking about hair, I want to quote my queen, Lady Gaga, who, <laughs> who actually has a song called Hair. And it's very, it basically, yeah, she just sings about hair. And a really specific part, she is I Am My Hair. So for listeners out there, remember you are your hair. Uh, <laughs> but Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess my closing thoughts would be that, you know, whatever situation you're in, whatever, like, dilemma or not even dilemma, just your everyday life, if you, you know, feel like someone, like, said something to you or, like, it affects you or, you know, just, you know, like what Georgie was saying, you are there for you kind of thing. You know, like, don't, don't let anybody else, like, get you down. Don't let a certain comment or a picture or anything that you see, like, affect how you feel about yourself. You know, like, again, this is all, like, detrimental to your health. If they if anything negative can, like, affect you, don't don't let it get to you because it is hard, you know? Like, certain things will, like, set you off and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, like, why am I feeling like that? But, you know, it's just, in the end, be there for you. You know, you're the best possible solution to, like, how you're feeling, you know? Like, always, always take care of yourself. So, yeah, I believe in that. Yeah, I agree. Um, take care of your heart, take care of your soul, take care of your body and your mind. Um, there's a lot of factors going into that, but it's, it's important to find outlets to, to all of this stuff, because I know, like, um, I heard a girl mention yesterday that learning about this stuff and hearing about this stuff really broke her down and made her cry so much, and, and, and so just remember to take care of yourself, like, um, I, I'm gonna, be, you know, about to be a plug to this event going on, it's called Speak Your Mind, it's an open, open mic night, but it's about mental health topics, so um, if you want to go up there and you want to read out poems or you want to do a spoken word or whatever it may be, um, you can register by email with um, the ASI Vice President, Michelle. Her email is ASI, Her actually, her email is asvicepresident at csustand.edu. Um, so it's it's going to be a safe place where you can go and share your thoughts, your your emotions, your really just free yourself of any hurt that you mm-hmm. may be carrying. It's going to be Thursday, March 28th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. in South Dining. Um, oh, well, by the time you hear this, the sign-up deadline will have passed. But anyway, shoot your shot, though. Try your best <laughs> if you're hearing this for the first time. Um <laughs> go out there yeah definitely um just just take care of yourself and and really just focus on on healing wounds that have been caused by by oppressive factors so yeah so um this was actually part one um stay tuned for part two we're coming at you semi-live <laughs> see you guys later yeah bye, bye.